Around the Metaverse from Packrib Media with Adam Fish and Packrib Ewing, where we give you a weekly roundup of all things happening in the NFT space. I am your moderator, Dr. Jeremy. Let's get into it. Here we go. I am joined for episode two of Around the Metaverse with good friends and colleagues, Packrib Media, Packrib Ewing, Adam Fish. Good evening, gentlemen. Hello. Good, mor- good morning to you. It is good morning to me. And, and you know, uh, it's been we've had a bit of a, a siesta between episode one and episode two, but we're back and ready to go here. Uh, and we are going to take people through some of the most interesting things in the past week with NFTs. Let's get started with Blitnots. We had Blitmaps. This is their first airdrop. Uh, Pack Rip, I know you're excited about this. Tell me why I should be excited about this. Well, I don't know why you should be excited about it because you don't have one. But as someone that has two Blitmap, I'm very excited by Blitnot. Um, I'm very excited by anything that Dom Hoffman touches. Frankly, I've been a fan of his for a long time. Dom Hoffman, for anyone that doesn't know, created Vine um, and then Byte and Peach, other kind of innovative social apps. And Blitmap is his flagship NFT project um, before before Loot, there was uh, there was Blitnot, uh, Blitmaps. They came out in June. It took a while for them to sell out. Um, they're generative on-chain art. You could basically combine two pieces of art to create a unique one-of-one NFT. Um, they were 0.1 to mint. I minted three of them. And the floor currently um, is hovering between 20 and 30 ETH, which is very exciting. Um, but Blitnots are the first airdrop in a series of airdrops that owners and holders um, got access to as they expand the IP and the characters in this kind of unique universe. And what's really cool about them is basically there were 10 different characters that were created, all of them very beautiful art. And you can take your your Blitmap NFT basically and make it the face of one of these 10 characters, like a super avatar. But then once you pick the character and you pick which blip map you want to put into the character as the kind of face of that character you can completely customize the color palette so every blip knot that every blip map holder makes is totally unique and one of one as well um, and all of this customizability and creation is fully on chain um, and like the technical aspects of that are super beyond me but I know that it's like very very impressive it's been in the works for a while um, and I got to make like, I made one that was uh, Nyx and Mex colors of orange and blue with a my pizza blip map, and it uh, came out very cool. And then I made another one that was a little bit more feminine with this um, everything bagel that I have that also looks like a strawberry donut. And it's just a very kind of fun, creative NFT expansion. For me, it was like the most fun I've had minting an NFT because I got to completely build something from scratch and like the UI and experience of creating it was really cool too. Adam, are you a holder? Uh, I am not. I'm not a holder. Um, I've never held anything that, that Dom has created, not uh, for any other reason. I, I really like his approach to things. I like that. He really tries to think outside the box as, as we all go through this process of figuring out, you know, what an NFT is and what it can be. Um, and I think he's always pushing the limits of that. And, you know, I think loot was an example of that. It's not the first, technically the first NFT that was sort of text-based, but 
certainly the the first of this year that took off the way it had. Um, so I, I've watched it for a long time, but I guess, Pac, one question that I would have for you is like, what do you see, you know, the, the floor is 20 or 30 ETH. What do you see as the utility of these? Like, why is the floor that high? It's a really good question. Um, to me, I, I think that the floor rose very quickly. Um, so I think a month ago, the floor was around two ETH. And then in very, very kind of like exciting, thematic, momentous fashion, they're almost like waves of sweeping the floor, but sweeping the floor like overnight with like tens, if not hundreds of Ethereum volume transactions. Um, so I think, I don't know what the utility is other than the belief in this property and what Dom is building. I think that the community itself has a lot of very kind of like intellectually curious and talented people um, beyond, I mean, I'm not one of them, <laughs> but, <laughs> but people that really like know their shit and have very ambitious and creative ideas for where this goes. Um, so I think a lot of it is betting on like what the roadmap entails. So the Blitnot airdrop and, and character expansion is essentially the second of 10 stages of Dom's roadmap for where this is going. The next one, maybe not the next explicit part of the roadmap, but like the next major deliverable will be a villain expansion which I think will be another airdrop as well as an opportunity for new people to buy in at a lower price. Um, and they're building really like lore and characters with these NFTs that I think he has really big plans for. There are some things that have been discussed in the discord that like, I'm not privy to talk about in a podcast, but I think people are very bullish on the future of the brand, the technical kind of, um, legacy of like what is being built and how it's being built on chain customizable um, in a really kind of unique fashion. And I think that, you know, what he's building outside, there's like SupDrive, which is this on-chain video game that he plans on building. And there's suspicion that those things might be connected. So there's this whole universe of NFT property that Dom is creating. And I think that Blitmaps are kind of like the OG piece of that, that people feel is like going to be a really big deal. I mean, I'm not going to like put it on that stage and I'm not in a position to like make the claim, but many people, holders that obviously have bias, believe that Blitmap is going to be like crypto punk level NFT legacy. Well, let's move from... from... Well, but before before we move on, I I do think that we would not be doing Jimmy justice if we, men- if we didn't mention that the idea of on-chain customizability was, I believe, first done with Avastars. Yes. Um, and which is, I mean... The, it's sort of they've sort of hovered under the radar at least over the last few months, but uh, but given the brain power b- behind it, uh, that's one that uh, that is very much on my radar. Yeah, and I think the idea of leveling up the airdrop process as it becomes sort of a trope now uh, among creators and and having that customizability is something that we're going to see more of. Uh, and I think that Blitnot sounds like it's going to be a huge part of that going forward. Let's move on to Des Bryant. Des Bryant dropped Juggernauts, complete with a, you know a full new NFT collection as well as a swanky New York City party. Uh, Des Bryant has fully entered the uh, the metaverse with this drop. It, it, what are we thinking about this, Fish? I'll start with you. It, it, does did you did you get one? And um, if so, why? And if not, why not? Uh, I didn't. Uh, I've been 
I've been taking a bit of a minting holiday for myself. Um, partly just because real life obligations have sort of prevented me from doing the kind of due diligence that I like to do before I jump in. Um, and partly because I've, I've been, uh, a little bit nervous about the way that the market's gone the last few weeks. Uh, obviously the market's cooled, uh, in addition to that, I think we've seen a lot of projects that seem to kind of pump up randomly and then dump just as randomly. Uh, I've gotten burned on a couple of those. So I'm, I'm treading very lightly right now. Um, but I, I, I think what was interesting about it, and, and Pac, I'll, I'll toss it to you because you tweeted um, and got some heat for it about kind of having some some concerns about whether the nature of the drop and sort of having some exclusive airdrops for people at the party and those kinds of things, whether that really embraced the NFT ethos. So I will, uh, I'll pass the, the baton to you to expand on that. And then I'll possibly counter because I, I, we might disagree on this one. Yeah. So, uh, you know, caveat, I'm a Giants fan. I, I loathe Des Bryant. It wasn't a catch. I, he's one of my least favorite athletes of all time. And when I see that, like, Des Bryant, who is, like, I think in good faith and very authentically engaged with the NFT community for a long time now, he's definitely one of the original, like, NFT athletes on social media and, you know, in a lot yep. of the work he's doing. You know, he has, I think, a legitimate reputation in the space in the past few months. This is really, to me, just, like, him bundling together all of the free shit that he gets for being famous and selling it for a lot of money. Um, and then like hosting a party at the 4040 club with like, I don't know. I mean, who's at that party? It's just like people that want to like drink beer and hang out with Des Bryant, really. Um, no offense to anyone who went, cause I'm sure it was fun. Like I'm not being a hater, but you know, he had like, uh, there was a core like pre-sale drop, I think. And I was told that people that attended this could be whitelisted to, to buy it in advance and had early access to basically these bundles that were either 25 ETH or 8 ETH. And what you got was, um, you know, four tickets to a Dallas Cowboys game in Dez's suite, four tickets to a Brooklyn Nets game, and tickets to Dez Bryant's birthday party. And, like, I'm not the kind of person that would ever spend that much money to have that kind of stuff. But to me, that is just, like, what it is, more than anything, is the most deliberate and like nail on the head kind of like fame as an NFT to exist. It is like, if you want to pay a hundred thousand dollars to go watch a Cowboys game with me and go to my birthday party, buy this piece of shitty art. So I'll, I'll push back because, and look, I wouldn't buy it either. It's not, it's not my style, but obviously, I mean, it seems like people have bought it. So there are some people that are interested. A few, but a lot of them, it was a Dutch auction, and it has dropped and dropped and dropped to the point where I think it's 10 ETH now, and there's still very few takers, so not many have bought it, but he's probably still made a few hundred ETH, so good for him. But but I think conceptually, you know, we talk about real-life utility for NFTs, and we talk about community experience and sort of, you know, NFTs allowing, you, you know, the, the power of the blockchain allowing for unique experiences, and... Isn't this that? I mean, it's yeah. you know what whatever I mean, the cost to him is really irrelevant. I mean, you know, you could argue maybe it should have been priced differently, but 
I think conceptually, the idea of, hey, you can own this and come to my birthday party, you know, I, I don't know how that's any more or less sort of honorable than, than access to VCon by owning a VFriend. It's very similar to VFriends. It is his play on what Gary V did with VFriends, more or less. Well, and, and, and I want to jump in for a second because I think that we've been critical of celebrity-based NFT projects for them being cash grabby. And what people want out of a celebrity-driven NFT project is access to said celebrity. So in in one sense, I feel like it kind of hits that on the nose. If you want access to Des Bryant, here you go. Here is, you know, through purchasing this uh, NFT, I would say the aesthetic is not really my style either in terms of the art. But I mean, you, you, you know, I mean, uh, if, if that's what you want, I, I, I would say, you know, the idea of the celebrity prioritizing that interactivity and that ability to get, you know, uh, time with them conceptually is sort of where it, it, it does, it does probably need to go for these sort of celeb driven projects. And, and the only other thing I would say would be that, you know, we've lauded Gary V for baking in all this you know, in real life utility. And and I think that maybe uh, it feels a little more gimmicky because uh, of what Des is doing with come to my, you know, suite and let's go, you know, come to my birthday. But I think, yeah, essentially, like Adam said, we're, we're sort of on the same lines of, you know, uh, trying to use celebrity as, as, a, as the utility itself. Yeah, look, I mean, you can argue, uh, sure, going to VCon, you know, maybe it's more, it's more for your career. Maybe you, you know, you really learn things, things like that. But there are also, you know, VFriends also has different levels and sort of the highest level ones that have sold for tons and tons of ETH are, you get to go to a Knicks game with Gary or you get to go yep. bowling with Gary. Like, I don't know that that's really that much different than the 4040 club. So, you know, I, I and I, I don't begrudge Gary for it and I don't, Begrudge Des for it. You know, it's those aren't really experiences that I'm interested in. But if someone's willing to pay for it, then hey, you know, it, it can it can be a win win. That's totally fair. If someone's willing to pay for it, then I guess it should exist, right? But uh, I don't know. I guess I like Garen. I don't like Des, and that's very <laughs> <laughs> of this. <laughs> fair enough. I, yeah, I feel like if um, Donald Driver made an NFT project, I would universally hate it as well. So maybe that, maybe it's just the Des Bryant uh, self-owned bias that's that's creating this issue. Listen, let's move on and let's do a quick, I'm going to give you each 30 seconds to tell me something about Top Shot this week uh, that that is on your mind, other than the awesome pick and roll lineup challenge sponsored by uh, NBA Top Shot and Pack Rip Media. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds to riff on Top Shot starting now, Pack Rip Ewing. I wish there was something to talk about. I really do. I might not need 30 seconds. Are you yielding your time to the congressman from Toronto? <laughs> no, I, I, I love Top Shot. They're doing a bunch of WNBA challenges. That's really cool. Um, I bought Tony Parker's Run It Back moment today. I've always hey. wanted um, nice. the uh The championship badge and debut badge combo is a scarce one. Um, the other members of the Spurs were $4,000 more, respectively. Um, so to me, it's like a great value buy. I love Tony Parker. I love the Spurs and, uh, I'm very happy to make that part of my collection. I'm itching and eager for more information about what's coming down the road. And I hope we get it soon. Adam, your turn. Uh, so 
first of all, I will say I agree with you. I think Tony Parker's a good buy. I don't know why he's a third of the price of Manu. That didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Uh, no disrespect to Manu. Um, but putting that aside, um, I was a little surprised that, or I should say I have been a little surprised, I guess something new could come, but um, that they didn't really uh, capitalize at all on the Hall of Fame inductions. I was expecting to see more of that, and maybe that's coming. Maybe that, that'll that be tied into Run It Back, but uh, I, I owned a Chris Bosch Run It Back a few months ago. I was sort of expecting that maybe heading into the Hall of Fame weekend, uh, we would see a, more of a bump in those. Uh, I, I sold it a while ago anyway, around the time that I bought my, my Kevin Durant run it back. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say that that's the one thing that's been on my mind is, um, is wondering why we haven't seen any, anything from Top Shot about the Hall of Fame inductions. Cause that seems during the off season, I think NBA news is sort of few and far between free agency aside. And I was a little surprised that we haven't heard about that. Yeah, I guess for me, my my top shot thing is that I'm going to have to basically start my Bulls collection entirely over as the entire roster has been turned over nearly. I, I think there's one player left pre-Arturis. So uh, I'm going to be you know, getting the dapper loaded and ready this season as I'm going to have a lot of purchasing to do. Let's move on. Board Ape Yacht Club auction at Sotheby's. 101 apes go for $24 million. It is. You know, we were talking before we got rolling. I, I think that it's impressive, but I guess the the question that I would throw to both of you is what does this mean on a macro level and a micro level, th- this idea that 101 apes sold for $24 million? Start with Adam on this one. So I think, I mean, it's certainly, you know, the, the price range that Sotheby's expected was 12 to $18 million, or that's the price they gave, whether that's actually what they expected, who knows. But, um, you know, it, it exceeded, you know, it, it cleared the low bar at least, you know, met the reserve price. It exceeded the, the estimates that they gave. So sort of check that off. Um, but it's hard to know, you know, 24 million. Is that great? Is it bad? I mean, I I think for me that this space moves so fast that whether they were valued at 24 million or not three days ago or a week ago may not really have anything to do with what the value is today anyway. So I think for me, what's more important than the number itself is how much mainstream media coverage it generates and and how much it brings new buyers into the space. Um, so you know what we've heard is that the buyer was not uh, was not a pre-existing NFT collector or a crypto collector. Um, so if that buyer, whoever he or she or it is, if it's a fund or whatever. Um, if that can lead to new money in the space, and if the publicity can lead to new money in the space, uh, that to me is going to be a lot more important than whether they sold for twenty or twenty-four or twenty-eight million. Pack. Yeah, for me, it's just a really encouraging sign. People that are in position to spend twenty-four million dollars on anything aren't in the habit of losing millions of dollars with those investments. You know, you don't get to a spot where you could spend $24 million on 101 apes by making bad decisions. So the fact that really smart, really rich people, whether with good intent or just pure profit motive driving those decisions, are choosing to invest millions of dollars in NFTs that, you know, are are three or four months old are 
owned by members of Packard Media and other members of our circles in the NFT community are, you know, considered and recognized as a blue chip NFT investment, that they're eliciting that kind of respect and, and you know, attention and money um, from new people or from existing people. It's still a lot of money. It's, you know, other than Beeple's big buy, um, you know, amongst probably the top, it's got to be one of the top five largest NFT investments of 2021. Um, so that's really exciting. I mean, I don't, I, I bought a mutant this week. Um, my, my entry into Board API Club, I've been waiting for a point. Um, I, I sold a blip map to have enough ETH to make a, that investment in addition to some other investments this week. I'm extremely bullish and optimistic on the future of NFTs. And I'm glad that people um, with more money than me and more brain power and investment this, you know, savvy than me are similarly bullish. It's exciting. Let's move on to alt chains, specifically Solana. Solana uh, drew a lot of attention this week, and in my opinion, unfortunately, for the wrong reasons. And we'll get into that in a in a moment here. Uh, there was an ape collection on Solana, and it, it was sort of in the vein, similarly to CryptoFunks, the you know, reversed image CryptoPunk that took OpenSea uh, by storm and then ended up getting delisted several times. Um, I guess I'm just going to throw it out to you first, Packrip. What do you think about the Solana apes in, in this uh, saga thus far? I mean, I think it's a total joke. Um, you know, it's a little like, it's bound to happen, right? There are bound to be people that just push the limits of what is or isn't allowed in the NFT space because it is so unregulated and new and loose and fast that like, People are going to just try to get away with what they can. I think that this is a prime example. I'm not super familiar with Solana as a whole, but the fact that they would just consciously kind of like allow this to happen, encourage it, um, amplify it, you know, they're going to get sued. That's for sure. Um, maybe that's part of their plan all along. Uh, but I, it's kind of just like gross to me. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I hope they fail, right? Like, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Adam? So, I mean, just before we hopped on, it, it started to look like, and we're, we're recording this Sunday evening, but it looked like the Solan apes were not actually being released as images, but instead as loot or blue type ripoffs that just describe the ape that you get. Um, but so we'll sort of put that aside and uh, just we'll, we'll, speak kind of academically, assuming that they would have released as it looked like they were going to release, which was basically the board apes, but mixed in combinations that the board apes technically don't have. So, you know, the, the party hat and heart glasses and cigar mouth, maybe there isn't an ape that has those exact three traits so they would make one that has all those traits that was technically not the same as one that still exists, even though it's still using the board ape art. Um, and I, I think it is worth having that broader conversation of like, what is it that actually constitutes a derivative? You know, I, I didn't like the crypto funks. I was happy they got delisted to me. That's not, it was a stunt. It was a joke, but it's not, it's not anything of value. It's not anything people should be, in my opinion, spending money on. Um, I don't have any problem with derivatives. My my first NFT purchase after Top Shot was, uh, was a derivative, was a CryptoPunk derivative, um, but it 
was actually created by someone. You know, they they took existing punks, they did a different spin on it, they actually created something, um, and and sold it, and you know, I, so derivatives broadly to me, I, I think that's it's cool, it's different. You know, it lets people sort of pay tribute to the original. But with with this sort of stuff, to me, I think, first of all, there's really no creativity. And, you know, there's sort of the the IP questions about, you know, copyright and whether you've actually done enough to to modify something or whether it infringes or not. Um, But there's also the more practical side of the more similar a new project is to something that exists, the more chance you have of people getting them confused and basically getting ripped off because they think they're getting the original and they're getting, and they're getting this other thing instead. And, you know, I think, I think at that point it's sort of, it starts to blur the line of someone making a good faith derivative versus someone who is just scamming people with a cash grab copy. There's a broader conversation around derivatives that has to happen, which is, and this is my issue with crypto funks. If I'm punk holder 6213 and I've authorized that derivative to be made, I don't get how OpenSea has the right to take it down, other than the fact that the larva intellectual property is different than the Yuga intellectual property, right? But if I'm an ape holder, I still think the missing part in this space is there has to be a way to authenticate that the owner of said original piece has has granted permission for this derivative to be made. And that tech will come soon. Uh, but I, I feel like that piece always makes it speculative. But if I am the IP holder and I want my ape to be flipped upside down, I don't see why anyone should be able to tell me that I'm not permitted to sell that. Uh, because if, if I own the IP... Uh, and I've authorized it to be made this way. Uh, it's a slippery slope to me to just start delisting all these these sort of derivatives because they look too similar. If that person who owns the original is licensing this to be made, I don't know. It, it's it's kind of gross in the opposite direction for me. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, anyone who who knows me, especially you two guys, will know that I'm a fan of like art as a form a form of social commentary you know like that's my bag I, I i dig that this to me is just like very like maliciously intentioned almost there are like motives behind this they're just like we're gonna get people to buy these apes right it's like the day after the sotheby's auction and we're gonna like sell these for tens or if not hundreds of thousands of dollars and try to like you know trick people into thinking these are apes not to like uh circle back to where we started but it's actually very interesting that with blitmap there was a community vote and the community voted to make all of the art, all of the NFTs public domain and took a very interesting and unique approach to ownership where all the originals, all the siblings, which are what happened when you took two pieces of art and combined them to make your unique NFT. It's all public domain. Anyone is free to do with it, whatever they want. And I thought that was to your, to your point, Adam, when you started, that's just how he, uh, he being Dom thinks about things very fundamentally differently than a lot of other groups. Yeah, I mean, it, I think that we've we've talked, or you know, sort of the community has talked for a while about monetizing ownership in an NFT, and you know, we saw uh, Larva Labs signed a deal with UTA, right? So they're you know they're going to monetize CryptoPunks, MeBits, and those things um, at a centralized level, at the Larva Labs level, um, and 
you know, we've seen people start to try to monetize their crypto, uh, their board apes. Uh, shout out to Swicky who announced uh, a, a collaboration that uh, just a couple days ago that she's working on for her ape. Um, and so I think how it gets monetized and in what form is is going to be an evolving conversation. I think that's as as early as we are in NFTs. I think we're even earlier in monetizing it. Right? So there's there's something like Aku where you know they uh, Micah signed uh, a, a a film deal. Uh, he signed you know with a talent agency, uh, but it's him, right? It's this one guy, and he's really selling. He's essentially selling, you know, almost. It's merch, basically, just in the it's merch in the form of videos of this IP that he owns. I think where it gets to well, how are how are ten thousand different people monetizing the things that they own, and you know, do we make it public domain, and then what does that mean for monetizing that in the future? Um, I think all these conversations are super early, and uh, I mean, they're, they're it's not too early to have them. It's worth having them, uh, but. We are it. It is really just totally uncharted territory. I think Packrip's point around creator intent needs to be sort of lifted up and doubled down on because, to me, the creator is the one who should be setting the intent for how the derivative process works, what the intellectual property rights are for this project. And so, I don't mean to, um, you know. Um, disrespect the community, but to me, they're secondary to what the creator's intention was in in the first place. Like they they should be the driver of of what is allowed and what's not allowed. Not open C, but I digress. Uh, we we don't have time for favorite thing of the week. That's okay. We'll get it in next episode. Uh, anything you guys want to say before we wrap up today? I will probably be thirty four years old um, by the time anyone listens to this. My birthday is on Wednesday, September fifteenth. Um, that is what a year it's been to think about how much has changed from when I turned 33 to 34. It is a uh, pretty spectacular in my personal life and uh, NFT life. So, and professional life and professional life. So very happy to be, uh, sharing that with, with all of you. Awesome. Cheers. Adam, you are killing it on all fronts. Um, I will say, uh, I, while I am kind of taking a bit of a pause on, on any new purchases and just kind of in hold mode, uh, still super bullish, still love discovering this community, connecting with this community. Um, I think we are in the midst of something very special and, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun to, you know, every, every day we're, we're seeing something new. So, you know, I, I think there's going to be no shortage of content for around the metaverse for, uh, many episodes to come. I, I should provide everyone with an update that the bears are down, down 14, nothing at the half. So I should get off and uh, sulk in misery for the uh, remaining two quarters of this game. I want to thank pack reviewing and Adam fish for joining me on this second episode of around the metaverse. We'll be back to you next week with all of the week's happenings coming to you in a 30 minute format. That's it for Dr. Jeremy. I'm signing off pack rip Ewing and Adam fish. See you next time.